South Sudan is home to some of the highest rates of gender-based violence in the world, even more so during the civil war from 2013 to 2018. At the same time, educational opportunities remain scarce, and laws and norms limit women's ability to start a business and even inherit land. However, South Sudanese women remain resilient in their efforts to change this narrative. What role can trade and trade policy in general play in bringing about this change? This and more today on Trade for Peace. Welcome to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. I am Axel Addy, former chief negotiator of Liberia's accession to the WTO and founding member of the Trade for Peace program. Trade for Peace is a 30-minute podcast in conversation with Trade for Peace champions, the global policymakers, entrepreneurs, and innovators committed to promoting trade as a key ingredient for lasting peace. Join us in our bi-monthly podcast as we discuss how trade is contributing to sustainable peace in fragile and conflict-affected countries. Welcome to Trade for Peace. The opinions and statements expressed in the Trade for Peace podcast are entirely and solely those of the guests and the host. The WTO Secretariat takes no institutional positions on matters of policy or of the WTO membership. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of Trade for Peace, Women in Policymaking, a story from South Sudan. Today, we have with us Honorable Yar Tilar Deng, one of the youngest members of parliament in South Sudan. Yar Tilar is an experienced lawyer, pan-Africanist, and feminist who advocates for a peaceful political environment to encourage women and youth participation in the political processes in South Sudan. Honorable Deng, welcome to Trade for Peace. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and I hope to have a great conversation. Thank you, Yar. And uh, it was an honor uh, meeting you in Juba. And so it's good to ha- finally have you on Trade for Peace. So tell me, who is Yar Tilar Deng? It's quite difficult for us to define ourselves at times, but let me just give it a go. So Yar, Yar Tilar is a South Sudanese female who is in politics, a member of parliament, a lawyer, very passionate about women and youth empowerment. Apart from that, I am just under 30 lady who just wants to live her life and create an impact as I just be me, you know. And you're the youngest member of parliament. Yes. How did this political career start? What inspired you to pursue this path? I literally didn't know I would join politics really early. I knew I would join politics at some point, but not when I joined politics. I joined politics in circumstances which are not very normal because I lost my father and the party leader uh, deemed it fit for me to actually step into his shoes, shoes that are big enough for me to fill. Mm -hmm. So joining politics for me, I knew at some point in my life, I'll definitely join politics. But then when life happened and circumstances forced me to join, I joined it. Do I enjoy it? Yes, I do. Extremely. Now, what has that experience been like? You're in an environment where I think, how many women are in the parliament? We're quite a number. Our laws actually stipulate that we should be at least 35%. Oh, that's wonderful. 
Yes, at least 35% in all levels of government, executive, legislature, judiciary. However, we miss that by 20 women in parliament. Mm. So it's a good step heading somewhere, considering how we are a very patriarchal society. Mm. For me, at first, it was challenging. It was extremely Mm. challenging being a woman, an unmarried woman for that matter, Uh, especially in an African society where everything is pegged on marriage. If you're not married, then you're seen not to be, you know, responsible enough or you shouldn't be a leader. But I love the experiences. I love arguing. I'm always arguing. So it's one of the things that actually makes it very interesting for me. I'd love to have my points sent across. And also just trying to learn how the older generation did their things and why they do their things the way they do. It's been a learning experience for me. These two years have actually been a really, really great time for me to learn so much experiences, new things that I didn't ever do before. I'm actually in one of the strongest dockets in parliament, the Committee for National Security and Public Order, which is a really, really, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And, Thank you. And how many women are on that committee? Two. Ah. Yes. So tell me, I mean, South Sudan, I know in terms of security, there are a lot of issues and challenges in terms of security. What are some of the causes you're pushing for in the parliament and also within the committee? Okay. First of all, you know, it's transforming a guerrilla army into a national army. Because South Sudan army was uh, purely the guerrilla army, which was meant to fight the liberation war, liberate us from Sudan. So we're really pushing for the the right laws in place. We've been working on the prison service bill, which is actually meant to be to lay the groundwork for this. So we're pushing for the soldiers to be trained Mm -hmm. and better living standards for them, better pay for them. That's what we're pushing in our committee. That's fantastic. When you and I spoke, you talked a little bit about some of the youth activities you're working on to empower young people. Could you elaborate on that a, a, a little bit uh, more for our audience? So we have a lot of youth-led organizations in South Sudan. And what we do as members of parliament who are young enough, we align to them and be able to come and support them, be it financially, be it just being on their panels and all that. So I'm actually very active in all the youth sectors, not only in South Sudan, but also beyond South Sudan. We have the Young African Leaders Forum where I I went last year in Ghana, won an award for the country. I'm I'm going again here. Congratulations. Thank you. And these are some of the youth activities that I'm very passionate about, where we have spaces to speak our minds. You know, we come from a country where we do not have the right political space. So I like engaging with the youth in such forums for me to actually tell them, listen, you can speak your mind. You can say what is going wrong, but be mindful of what you do. Be mindful Mm -hmm. of what be sure that whatever you say can come back to haunt you or it can actually help. So I really engage with the young people in all forums. Yeah, and the last time when we spoke, you were actually uh, preparing to attend the International Youth Festival or something. How, how yes. was that? Unfortunately, I could not attend it since I had to travel to Rumbek, to Lake State, for we're doing the launch of our party. 
um, the ESPN Marco. So we had to go to Lake State. But from what I saw and what I heard, it went really well. The youth are taking up their spaces in entrepreneurship. The youth are taking up their spaces in politics and in all sectors, which I think is a very, very good step. With The youth are about over 70% in South Sudan. Yes, yes. And uh, speaking of entrepreneurship, I know one of the challenges women have is, uh, you know, women participation in businesses is sort of owning businesses, inheriting land. What are some of the causes you are working on in terms of women empowerment in South Sudan? Okay, so it's important to note that we are in a transitional period. Mm. And we have laws and bills that have been laid out, revitalized agreements. There is one of them, it's it's an enterprise fund. It's called the Women Enterprise Fund, Mm. which is meant to be established. This is one of the causes that I think would really help women. Because if we do not have a place where women can be able to get small loans to do their businesses, then it's very difficult. Economic empowerment to me is everything. And that's why I'm I'm one person who will never run to the women, like to the, I I would have gone to the gender committee or I would have gone to the youth committee, but I felt it goes beyond just going to these committees. We need to first establish, do we have a safe and secure place to do business? That's the first thing that comes, because if you do not have the security, then you're not able to do business at all. So Women Enterprise Development Fund is one of the one of the agendas that we're pushing. The bill should be presented in parliament very soon. We hope it's passed. Once it's passed, then we will have women who will come and do it. Secondly, there are some women led organizations that offer capacity building for women, which I think is very important. Women do not know their rights. Mm. Mm. They're meant to be taught and shown that this is your right. There is nothing wrong with a woman starting her own business. There is nothing wrong with a woman owning land. You know, the laws that hinder women from doing such things are purely based on the fact that this is a patriarchal society. South Sudanese look at women as objects, you know. So in such scenarios where I feel the need to actually champion and be a voice for the voiceless. Well, just reading about you is is quite inspiring in terms of all the work you're doing. I want us to touch a little bit on the other story uh, of South Sudan uh, being home to some of the highest rates of sexual and gender-based violence in the world. What are some initiatives that you're working on to respond to this? To me, the gender-based violence that happens in South Sudan is at an alarming rate. And I'll go back again, security. I look at it from in a country like South Sudan, where we have a lot of mental health issues. Gender-based violence would definitely be one of the main um, challenges that people face. But I usually disagree that it's only females who go through gender-based violence. It's both male and female who go through gender-based violence. And I think we need to start establishing safe spaces where people can actually go and, you know, just be able to have a place they can run to and sort out their issues. Also, being in the security sector, there needs to be a lot of training done on how the organized forces should respond to such matters. Because then when a victim runs to you, they'd expect you to protect them. So I think what I'd like to push for is for the security sector to be well prepared in order to deal with some of the scenarios. That's fantastic. Now, let's talk a little bit about 
where you're from, your area of representation. I know South Sudan have experienced a lot of climate-related uh, challenges in terms of droughts and flooding. The last time I was there, there was flooding in one part of the country that displaced a lot of people. You have a lot of internally dis displaced people. And so let's talk about your region. What are some of the challenges you find yourself facing in, in, in your region uh, you represent? I come from Lake State. It's actually called Lake State because we're surrounded by so many lakes. We don't have any issues of flooding as of now. The only problem is infrastructure. For instance, when I was speaking to you and I told you I missed my flight, I missed my flight three times because it rained and our run and the water was it was literally on the runway. So there's no way a flight could land, neither could it take off. So there's infrastructure, there's girl child education, that is one of the challenges that's being faced. Where I come from, the dowry prices are very, very high. 200 cows, 300 cows for one girl. And, and you see wow. some of, yes. And this needs to be regulated. We're really pushing for it to be regulated. But you know, cultural norms, you can't change cultural norms overnight. It takes one step at a time. So there's the infrastructure, there's the girl-child education, there's the issue of cattle raiding. But so far, so good. Our state government is trying its best. The security is in place now. And we hope it will get better as time goes by. Yeah. Now, my sister, I want you to explain this cultural tradition of cows for dairy. Yes. I was told and I, I read that the uh, South Sudan has more cattle than human beings uh, because cattle is used sort of a tradition as almost like a currency. Please, for the sake of our audience, I would like you to educate us on this tradition. South Sudanese love cows so much and nylots per se if your wealth is measured by the number of cows that you have and also by the number of girls you have because the more girls you have the more cows you'll get in terms of dowry cows are also a means of livelihood because then if you do not have the resources financially you'll go sell the cow take your child to school or the milk, you know? So we are a society that loves cows and, and no, the cows are not more than humans. <laughs> humans are obviously more. It's just, it's just that we have a very rich culture, you know? South Sudan has a rich culture. Yes, we have the negative aspects, but there's so many positive aspects that I think we need to focus on. We need to look at the positive aspects of our culture. We need to actually excel the positive aspects of our culture. But when it comes to the cows, yes, South Sudanese loves the cows, the cows so much. Do I think we need to regulate dowry? Yes, we need to regulate dowry because then you don't want to sell off someone. You just want a token of appreciation given to you. Now, I was in Juba the last time working with the Ministry of Trade on South Sudan uh, joining the AFCFTA, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, and then also joining the World Trade Organization. Uh, South Sudan has expressed they would like to join and participate in the regional and the global economy. We did meet with parliamentarians to talk about their role and, and the laws and regulations, protocols uh, the South Sudan has to pass in terms of moving that process forward. How do you see trade in this process in terms of uh, as a, a key part of, of moving 
South Sudan from transition to development? What role do you think trade can play? Trade is it's actually very important in regards to ending poverty and, and improving productivity, providing higher income and more opportunities to its people, especially in a developing country like South Sudan. The more trade we have, then the easier. Now, I usually like joking with some of my friends and I tell them what actually makes people fight is the lack of resources and opportunities. So if we have enough resources Absolutely. and have enough opportunities, then we would develop faster. So trade is key in development and ending poverty. And you think in the future, South Sudan will be able to supply cattle to the region and the rest of the world? We'd be able to supply everything. Mm. Yeah, we have rich land. Our population is not, we don't have a huge population in the country. So agriculture is one of the things. If we actually do large scale farming, we can be able to supply to the East African countries and um, as slowly it grows to Africa and every other place. Yeah. Now, we have quite a large audience that listen to podcasts and I often ask our guests to give a message to the diaspora. And so I would like to give you the opportunity to speak to the South Sudanese diaspora about South Sudan. What would that message be? I was born and raised in Kenya. And I really, really wanted to come back home. When I moved back to South Sudan, it was one of the best decisions that I ever made. My message to the people in diaspora is, we have a beautiful country and a country is not only meant for a few, it's meant for everyone. Every single person has a role to play, whether you're in the diaspora or you're back at home. We all should contribute positively to South Sudan, we have the potential. We actually have the expertise as well. So I would like to urge our fellow South Sudanese who are in the diaspora to either come back home and contribute positively or contribute where they are. Take it a step at a time. You know, Rome was not built in one day. We always think that um, South Sudan is gonna be fixed just, you know, um, like that. But no, we everything goes a step at a time. We are here now will move forward. We were not where we were. We're not where we want to be, but I'm sure in a few years, we'll definitely be there. We'll have the best roads. We'll have really good education, healthcare and everything. But we can only do all of this if we unite as South Sudanese. We get together beyond our political affiliations, beyond our tribal affiliations and come back together. I usually love using the example of um, when South Sudan was fighting Sudan we were united and our common enemy was one. So can we try and figure out what our common enemy is now? There is poverty that can be our common enemy. Can we fight it together? Can we put our hands together and fight it? Yes, yes, indeed. And I'm growing to love the country. I've been there twice. I've interacted with a lot of South Sudanese and the passion is there. Uh, The passion, it reminds me of Liberia when I first moved back home in 2005. You know, you meet so many people doing unique things across the country, trying to contribute to the transformation and the rebuilding of the country. And so I only wish the best for my brothers and sisters that I've been working with as they all contribute uh, to South Sudan transformation. There are a lot of positive things happening in South Sudan. And this is one of the reasons why we actually have this podcast. 
to yeah. showcase that in spite of some of the negativity and, and the challenges you hear about some of our fragile and conflict-affected countries, there are champions in those countries that are contributing to the transformation of the country, and you are one of them. So I thank you for being a Trade for Peace champion. Now, on a, on a more personal note, let us now go to our rapid fire question segment. This is a segment that provides a great opportunity for our audience to get to know you better. And if you have uh, 10 seconds, uh, you have about 10 seconds to respond to five short questions. So okay. um, are you ready? Yes, ready. Okay. One woman-led project in South Sudan you are proud of? Center for Peace and Inclusive Justice by a lady called Jacqueline Nasiwa. She's a, an advocate of the High Court and she's doing amazing things to empower South Sudanese women. A woman that inspires your daily work? This has to be the Minister of Defense in South Sudan. Her name is Honorable Angelina Teng. Mm. She is a woman who's risen above all the stereotypes and she is doing an amazing job at Hadoket. I would love to meet her next time. And, oh, yes. And, <laughs> but the, next time, I will, I, will, I will let you know in advance. And, and one lesson you've learned as a child that you still follow today. One lesson I learned as a child growing up, we were, I was really bullied mm. because I was Kenya and dark skin and all that. And I learned never to ha actually have someone go through the same. So I'm very thoughtful and mindful of the people around me, not to bully people. The other thing that I learned, and I learned this from my father, treat every single person as though you're equals. My father would treat his bodyguards, drivers, and every single person with care. And I, I, I'm taking it all the way until now. And if I went to a, a local restaurant, what would you recommend for a traditional meal? Ooh, I'd recommend combo and kisra. And and what is combo and what is kisra? Kisra is it's our staple food. It's more or less like anjera, if you know anjera. Mm. Yes, yeah. yes. Then combo, combo is peanut butter with vegetables. Mm. Yeah, I'll really amazing. That. Okay, yes, so next time we'll, we'll have lunch. Next time I'm in Juba. <laughs> next time we'll have lunch. He's the Minister of Defense. Yes, thank you. And, and one thing you would like to see happen in 2022? One thing I'd like to see happen in 2022, there's the Youth Enterprise Development Fund Bill. I'd love to see that passed for the young people of this country. That's one of the, if it's passed, I'll be extremely, extremely happy because then I'll realize that all our efforts in parliament as the young people at least are paying off. And I'm sure it will. With your talent and your vision and your passion, I'm sure you will continue to make a case to your colleagues to see it pass. And we'll all celebrate. Well, thank you, Honorable Deng, uh, for your very insightful responses. We'd like to end the podcast with just one last question. In just one word, what does trade for peace mean to you and why? In one word, development. It means development for me because when there's peace, you're able to achieve so much. Mm, mm, mm. We can actually be able to trade easily in a peaceful and secure environment. So for me, one word, development, nothing else. You heard it here on Trade for Peace. That was our Trade for Peace champion from South Sudan, the Honorable Yatila Deng, the youngest member of parliament. Honorable Deng. 
Thank you for joining us today on Trade for Peace and sharing with us your story and experience. And thank you for the impactful work you do in South Sudan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great opportunity. Hope to interact more. Wonderful. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into our episode, Women in Policy Making, a story from South Sudan. Don't forget to follow us on our social media channels. We are present on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn as Trade for Peace. I am your host, Axel Addy. You have been listening to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. You can be a part of the conversation by sharing your stories and your suggestions with us at tradeforpeace at wto.org. And you can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at Trade for Peace. Be sure to tune in every other week for new episodes. Thank you for listening to Trade for Peace.